and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles, California. I'm your host, Michael Benner, and our topic this week is fascinating. I think one of my favorite topics, it's the whole idea of personal identity. Who are we really? The topic for the day today, what is the self? The nature of the self. Like the hookah-smoking caterpillar in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, who are you? Well, most of us don't like this question. We so desperately need to be liked by other people that we try to be like other people. We watch other people, we judge other people as a kind of a backward, ineffective, and even irrelevant way of trying to understand something about yourself. Most people are afraid to know themselves, especially via their deepest, most intimate feelings, and aren't really sure how to do that anyway. Then we have questions of which is the real self. Descartes said there were two parts. There was a spirit and there was the material side of things. Freud said, no, no, there are three parts. There is the id and the ego and the superego. There's a great deal of so-called new age information that talks about the false self or the shadow side as opposed to a higher self, a true self, perhaps the overshadowing soul. Carl Jung was very dualistic in his description of the true self and the shadow side. Now, besides touching on these topics, what we're going to do today is investigate modern psychology, compare it a little bit to ancient Buddhism, actually, in the teaching of the not-self, and then talk about a concept of mental modules, which in the last 20 years has been quite groundbreaking and even influenced the study of neurology, that is, the physical brain and the way in which the brain works in response to this concept called the mind and this sense that we have that there is some sort of CEO or president or commander-in-chief in the mind that is making these decisions. Modern psychology and the experimentation that's being done suggests that probably is not the case. It's largely an illusion. And that's why I want to bring in the ancient Buddhist philosophy of the not-self as well. So we have a lot of information to cover, and for the podcast listeners, because only the first 20 minutes is freely available in that way, we're going to try and get as much in as possible. For those of you who are enrolled or willing to enroll in the premium training We'll have plenty of time. We'll extend beyond the 20 minutes, probably go 40 or 45 minutes. And then on top of that, add another program from our archives at our sister site, FocusedPassion.com, a discussion about the subconscious mind from rather a personal development point of view. And altogether, that'll take us to about 90 minutes. So If you have not yet enrolled and would like to enroll in the complete extended 90-minute premium audio training, all you have to do is visit our primary website, 
the w's.theagelesswisdom.com click on the button that says podcasts and premium audio training and then a second time on premium audio training and with your bank card your atm credit debit card you can enroll in about 60 seconds or less watch your email then because a few hours later you'll receive an email with a link to the current program okay so with that let's roll up our sleeves and get going we'll talk briefly about this arcane concept of the not self from ancient buddhist practice going back 2500 years there are a number of people with just a cursory amount of knowledge about Buddhism and Eastern philosophy who are not often aware of all of the nuances that go with the nature of the not-self. There was a famous teaching by Gautama Siddhartha, the enlightened Buddha, where he talks about the five aggregates or the components of mind in a search for what he described as the two basic factors of self. One is control, and the other is a sense of permanence. Looking at the latter first, that sense of permanence is something that's familiar to all of us at whatever age you happen to be, 25, 45, 65 You know the feeling of having always been the person that you are. You may say, well, I remember when I was five years old and this exciting thing happened to me or this traumatic thing happened to me. And then I remember much later in life and the sense of continuity is something that virtually everybody describes. We have a sense that we're permanent. That's one of the two primary factors, the other one being control. And Buddha looked at these five aggregates in this famous speech, and in each case, as he identified them, he said, that's not me, I am not that. Those aggregates are basically consciousness, the mental nature, the emotions, the physical nature, and then perception of the world. And going through the list, Buddha taught, according to those who wrote it down many years later, Buddha never wrote anything down, much like Christ. It was all written down later by students. But supposedly he looked at consciousness and he said, that's not me. I don't control my conscious awareness. And there's impermanence in consciousness. And so that can't be me, I'm not that. And he did the same thing for his mental nature, emotional nature, his physical body, and his perception. In each case, pointing out, well, I don't really have complete control, not like a dictator or a king would have over his subjects. I don't have control over my mind. It has a tendency to think on its own. I have a problem controlling my emotions, my physical body, even my perception of the world often is out of my control. And secondly, there's impermanence in each of these five aggregates as they're translated from the ancient Pali language. And so he said, that's not me, I'm not this. 
And so we're left with the teaching of the not-self. Now, as I suggested a few minutes ago, there are many people who get an exposure to Buddhism. They take a few classes. They may even insist that they are, quote, Buddhists. And they're here to tell you that there is no such thing as the self because Buddha taught the not-self. Well, what Buddha said was that I'm not any of these five aggregates, but he didn't really say that there is no sense of unity some other place, uh, an overshadowing soul, for example, a soul above and free of form that extends itself or projects itself into incarnation. Indeed, if you think about it for a second, what's incarnating? Buddhists believe in reincarnation or transmigration. What's migrating across, trans across, migration, moving? What's moving across? What's transmigrating? What's reincarnating if there is no soul, if there is no self? And still, many young or neophyte Buddhists will tell you, and this goes for others who believe in Eastern philosophy and reincarnation and maybe some ritualized form of Hinduism or a more liberal kind of Vedantism or any one of a number of hybrids and spin-offs. They'll tell you, no, no, there is no soul. The self is a total illusion or delusion, just like life itself, because it's all impermanent and nothing real is impermanent. Things that are real, truth, for example, would have to be permanent, unmovable, unchanging. And so, as the ancient Greek Heraclitus said, no man ever steps in the same river twice, meaning everything is in flux and change, therefore it must all be illusion or delusion. That may or may not be the case. We don't exactly know what Buddha meant by the not-self. But the reason I mention it in this class on modules of the mind and the modern psychology of the last couple of decades is that through experimentation, what brain researchers, psychologists, neurologists, people who study brain plasticity, whether it's the physical brain or the mental nature studied in psychology, education, what we're beginning to understand is that it appears that there is no central authority in the brain or the mind, no CEO or commander-in-chief, as I said before, but perhaps a number of modules that bubble up and compete with each other for attention. By modules, I mean lines of motivation. And these have been advanced by different theorists. One that I'm particularly familiar with is seven modules that's been put forth by a evolutionary psychologist named Douglas Kendrick. And I've taken his seven and modified them a little bit by adding some of Maslow's hierarchy, which I felt needed to be in there. And so what I'm offering you is my own hybrid of the modules of mind from Kendrick and the famous hierarchy of needs by Abraham Maslow. 
And offering you these seven basic concepts, again, not chiseled in granite, not a correction, not necessarily superior to any other model of modules of the mind. But imagine if you had these seven driving forces in your mind that are popping up, bubbling up at different times and competing for your attention. And your sense of self is largely a false continuity that is your internal unconscious perception of the end result or the totality of the way these modules compete for your attention in different situations. For example, one would have to be self-protection. You can see how an evolutionary psychologist would look at the need for security, as does Abraham Maslow in the bottom of his hierarchy. We need to survive. This is a basic evolutionary drive. Another, not so obvious perhaps, is self-esteem and self-respect, which I call self-gratification. This is simply pleasure-seeking and happiness. A third module might be the need to attract and retain a mate. This is lust and love for procreation, for getting your genes into the gene pool, and survival across time through generations. A fourth module would be similar, and that's caring for your larger family, kin care. K-I-N, kin care is the way Kendrick describes it. This is protecting, nurturing the family through generations. Affiliation and a sense of belonging. This is love not only to the family, but a need for friends, groups, uh, tribes, societies, clubs, if you will. A sixth module might be the need for status and power financially in particular, but also socially. This is a very important drive for many people. And a seventh might be avoiding disease and injury. Again, basic survival in that regard. And imagine like seven little jets or fountains that are bubbling. Maybe you've seen these dancing water fountains. Uh, There's a particularly famous one in Las Vegas, and they suddenly leap up, or one fountain will jump up higher than all the others, or two or three will jump up and the others will fall back. Well, imagine these various modules, the need for self-protection and gratification for made attraction and retention and affiliation with social groups, status and power, all of these competing for your mental and emotional intention. But the experiments seem to indicate that your sense of continuity, your sense that there is a self that is making these decisions is largely an illusion. You can jump on Google if you want and do the research. You can enter the name Kendrick, K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K, and modules of mind or mental modules. Another name associated with modules is Fodor, like the restaurant guide, 
F O D O R. His work goes back to the early 1980s. And there are a half a dozen other notable researchers in this field who are making very important contributions and doing some groundbreaking experimentation that demonstrates that we're less rational than we are rationalizing. It's if our mind generates a story that we believe after the fact we decided upon. Well, actually, the story's been handed to us by these modules competing for our attention, and we believe that with our free will or our volition, we made these conscious decisions, but again, that was largely just handed to us. And so, in that regard, comparing modern psychology, especially evolutionary psychology, and this mental modules model of the last couple of decades to the Buddhist teaching of the not-self, we begin to get an idea that if there is a self, it's a much more complicated issue than we ever may have considered. Now, as we go into the premium training now, we're going to get into this a little more deeply and expand upon these ideas, but I wanted to just get the basics out there for the podcast people. Send this out freely all over the world. We have lots of people in more than 50 countries who are listening to the podcast. Again, if you'd like to join us for the premium training, you can enroll for a single class. Say you like this one and you want to hear this one. You enroll before the next newsletter comes out a week or so from when this podcast came out. Or you can enroll for a 13-week quarter, or you can enroll for an entire year for the deepest discount. Archival programs going back in time, if you find a podcast from 6, 8, 10, 12 weeks ago that you like, we can do that, but it's by special arrangement. So if you want to enroll for a single class and then email me, I can arrange that for you. But basically, you're subscribing to the current program or future programs, just like any other oh, magazine or newspaper subscription. Again, our primary website is theagelesswisdom.com, and the T-H-E is part of it after the W's, dot theagelesswisdom.com. And by the way... If you're listening to the podcast, either through iTunes or some other podcatcher that you like, if when you get a chance you can leave a comment and an honest, sincere rating in the iTunes store under podcasts, I'd really appreciate that. It helps other people who are looking for this kind of information find it. And if instead you're listening, not to a download or a podcast, but streaming on demand through Stitcher on your smartphone, iPod, iPad, or other tablet, I'd request you do the same thing there. It's real obvious, easy, fast and simple to leave a comment that'll help other people find this kind of programming. There's not a lot of it out there, okay? And often it's offered in such a narrow way, I guess, Most of you understand that my background for 
three decades is that of a broadcast journalist. And I really approach metaphysics and mysticism and mind science from my background as a journalist in a very comparative way. So we're not looking for the one right way and ignoring and denying all the others. It's very inclusive at the mystery school. And we try to compare, not compete, but contrast and bring you the best of information from all around the world when it comes to philosophy, psychology, and education. So thanks a lot for being here. Those of you who are enrolled, stay with us. We'll continue with the extended version and podcast people. Thanks so much for being here. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from Los Angeles.